to be a six-month-old company and to be shut down publicly by the health department, the recovery of that's going to be near impossible. I mean, we were having lawyers telling us that we should pretty much close doors. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K and TIPS, T-I-P, S is in sugar to 33444 and you get instant access. All right, everybody. We today have a very special guest. We have the co-founder of Pressed Juicery, which is California's leading cold pressed juicery chain. And as a former fast food junkie, Hayden Slater transformed his life by introducing juice into his diet and has since lost over 60 pounds. So I'm a big fan of pressed juicery, um, you know, drink their stuff all the time. And, you know, for some reason, their stuff tastes really fresh. Um, you know, there's a lot of juicery, juiceries out there, but uh, pressed juicery definitely sticks out. Um, Hayden, how are you doing today? Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, having me, Eric. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the company and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm born and raised in L.A., uh, and I was kind of always, you know, uh, intended to do entertainment stuff. So growing up, I always kind of worked for friends' parents, whether it was on movies or TV shows. Uh, I went to college at NYU for film. And when I finished, I uh, I moved back to L.A. and was working at HBO. So I was kind of always destined to do that. But I'd always been somewhat entrepreneurial and always attracted to this kind of health and wellness uh, sector. Um, I think I never went abroad in college, and when I uh, wrapped an HBO show I was working on, I uh, I went to Southeast Asia uh, by myself for about six and a half, seven months, and that's when I really kind of fell in love with cleansing and and this you know homeopathic medicine, and uh, came back to LA and decided to pursue it professionally. Got it. Okay. And you, you have, you, we just talked about this a little bit before starting, but you have how many employees now? Uh, company wide, I think we're just under 600 um, to date. So we'll probably be a, a little over 600 in the next month or so. Wow. Okay. And you said you went from four people originally to 600. How long did that take? So we, the, the company started, it was me and my partners. We had one employee and then one other employee who would help me make juice at night. So five of us total, uh, four and a half years ago. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think in this scenario, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about the, you know, how, how starting up was, you know, you just talked about making juice at night and things like that. I mean, how did it, you know, how did your day to day look when you're first starting out something like this? It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, we, we started this, me and my partners truly as a passion project. Uh, I, I founded it with two of my closest friends and all three of us shared the same passion you know, I uh, I had incorporated juice into my routine, and it just changed me. It was kind of that first step into living a healthier life. Um, 
one of my partners at the time had kids and loved the idea of masking nutrients in juice. And my other partner who I grew up with, uh, unfortunately lost her mom to cancer right before we started. So we all had different reasons for wanting to pursue this and, and together came at it as, you know, we found that there, there didn't, there wasn't anything that existed uh, that we ourselves wanted. So we really almost selfishly created, you know, the, you know, the best of, uh, and, and that's kind of what we did. And, you know, none of us had any prior business experience. Uh, and we went at it truly making decisions based on what we as customers would want. So when we started, uh, we got a cupcake company in Beverly Hills to give us their kitchen at night. And I took a 22-square-foot broom closet in Brentwood and convinced the landlord to rent it to me. I put in a Dutch store and a single fridge, and that's, that was kind of how Prest was born. So for the first, I don't know, six, seven months, I would make juice every night with someone I found on Craigslist. Uh, we, would, we would juice from probably about 10 to 4 a.m., load up my car. I'd drive it up to, you know what I consider our, our store, which was our kiosk. I would go sleep. Carly, my partner, would work the store. And that, that's how it was born. You know, we, uh, we, we made tons of mistakes, but it was through those mistakes that we kind of built something. Wow, incredible. And how many stores do you have today? So we're just over, over 40, either built or being built. Wow. Okay. So, you know, people are, uh, people are definitely wondering, especially on this show, you know, the, the quality of the juice, as I mentioned in my introduction, is, is very high. So how do you maintain that quality at your current scale? Yeah, I think quality is something that is, is more important to us than anything. So we've never, we've never been willing to jeopardize quality in order to expand. Um, you know, in the early days, we used to get, to, or we still, we get tons of inquiries for franchising. But the idea of giving our product and not being in control of it from beginning to end was just something we weren't willing to do. So to launch, you know, we were adamant about making the highest quality products we possibly could, never compromising. So we always use raw inputs. It's always 100% fruits and vegetables. You know, a lot of, a lot of other players will kind of mask it. Uh, they'll add filler ingredients like water, like water or apple juice. And, you know, we've always been really, really adamant about, you know, our juices are everything. It's our core competency. So not only do we have to master it, but we have to make sure that, you know, it's of uh, the, the, the highest quality uh, at all times. Got it. And how do you, you know, you, you talked about just starting this from scratch and, you know, kind of having to learn as you go. So what is your learning process for figuring out these things like, you know, holy crap, now we're at 600 employees and, you know, we have so much more demand. How do we figure out how to maintain quality? Can you walk us through that process? Yeah, I mean, I think in the in the early days, it was to the best of our ability, everything we knew what to do. I mean, Carly and I had no background in juice manufacturing and we were like taking food safety classes and we were taking, you know, um, we were literally like going online and doing courses for quality control to educate ourselves as best as possible. When we started really getting to scale, uh, that's when we said, okay, you know, I'm really confident in my ability to lead this company and I know the vision and where I want to take it, but I'm also not afraid to admit my weaknesses. And obviously, you know, juice manufacturing isn't, wasn't a strength of mine. So we went out and we assembled a team of food scientists, experts in the juice industry, uh, nutritionists, and really kind of brought them on board to to lead that, that department and that, you know, quality part. Awesome. Okay. So the, 
talk to us about what the pressed juicery lifestyle is and what it means to you. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up in LA, I think health and wellness, or we, uh, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I find that it can be a bit elitist at times. You have to do this or you have to do that. And, you know, it's daunting and intimidating to people. And we kind of wanted to break that all down. We wanted to simplify it and make it accessible, make it enjoyable, make it fun. You know, so we started pressed with the idea that this product's really for everyone. You know, we love the idea of it being like a kid in a candy shop where there's a flavor or juice that that would appeal to every person that walked in, no matter their age or, you know, sex, whatever it was, they there was something that they would find um, and make it fun. You know, uh, you know, there's so there's you like I like I mentioned, there was this, you know, this dieting or this, you know, it's it, it's just it's not really long lasting. And we kind of take this approach of. Guys, come in and try it. And if you enjoy it and you feel better, keep drinking it. And if you don't, you know, that's okay. Find find something that works for you as an individual. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I grew up in LA, still based in LA right now. And you know, you're totally right about the, the elitist part of it. Um, okay. Now, I, I guess, you know, one question is there's so many – there's so many of these different juiceries popping up and, you know, clearly, you know, you mentioned you guys aren't willing to uh, compromise on quality. Uh, what else do you think truly differentiates yourself from, you know, companies trying to do the same thing? Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting watch. I don't you know, we didn't invent juice. Juice has been around for thousands of years. We put to, we put a lot of heart and soul into creating something that we felt didn't exist. You know, prior prior a couple years ago, when you would think about juice, it was the jambas of the world and the juice clubs of the world, mm. which, you know, I'm not going to knock it, but it's not, you know, a lot of these guys would kind of mask their product with these colors and these fanciful names. And we were really, you know, from the beginning, let's simplify everything. Let's really let our product, something we're so proud of, tell the story. Um, you know, over time, you've watched a lot of guys enter the space. And, you know, I won't lie in the early days, I, I would lose a lot of sleep to competition. You know, I, w I would worry about what this would do to us. And I kind of had an aha uh, about a year in that, you know, competition is a good thing. It, it creates awareness. You know, I really think that it educates and it brings, you know, it, it, it informs people of what juice is. And I think uh, consumers, you know, are really smart and product to me usually wins. And we're really proud of what we put on our shelves. Um, you know, there's a, you look at LA and New York, these big cities, there's a, a pizza, Starbucks and a coffee bean on every corner and they're all doing okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, so you guys can call yourselves the, the, the apple of juicing. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's dive a little bit. Uh, let's go back to the, the early days, you know, when you talked about having to, uh, you know, rent out, you know, rent out a closet pretty much and, um, you know, sleep, you know, and then have your partner work on, on, on the juice during the day. So the juice company during the day. So the, the question is, how did you go about acquiring your first thousand customers? You know, was it just, was there a lot of traffic at the location? Like, how did you go about getting them? Honestly, like probably my mom, <laughs> you know, no, for real. I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, it, it's really interesting. You know, we, we really have never done what typically typical marketers do. Um, everything we've done has really been word of mouth. And I think Prest had such a strong response early on for a couple of things. I think it was a stellar product at a great price point at the perfect time. There truly was a built-up demand when we launched for this product. And that really helped us. Um, I also think, you know, 
we've been really fortunate to be in the heart of LA and get a lot of Hollywood to support us. You know, there's been a lot of people who would make a lot of noise and, you know, I think it garners attention. Um, I think when, uh, you know, Nicole Richie tweets, a lot of people get curious and will come check it out. But I, I believe that it's our product and our experience that gets that customer coming back over and over again. Interesting. Okay. Now there's a lot of different brands out there. You know, it could be food. For example, you know, the flavor gods of the world, they do a lot of, you know, Instagram stuff. Do you guys do any type of, uh, you know, paid Instagram posts for like celebrities, anything like that? Nope. Everything's organic. So we've, uh, you know, we've had a lot of support. I mean, we have the chalkboard, which is our lifestyle site. We get influential tastemakers of health and wellness to kind of curate every month. And these are people like Chris Carr, Jessica Alba, Kate Hudson. You know, this month right now is uh, Victoria's Secret model Lily Aldridge. And all of it's organic. You know, these are people who want who willingly on their own want to be a part of this conversation. Interesting. Uh, speaking of the chalkboard, uh, it, it reminds me, I mean, you guys have a very specific design, not just with the the packaging and the labeling itself, but actually like the locations too. So where does that come from? So I really was was a big part of designing our creative, um, you know, for both product and the, the store uh, experience. And, you know, I, I, I put a lot of thought and time into creating what we did. Uh, you know, our first couple of stores, we threw up some reclaimed wood and called it a day. And when we got to store three or four, I realized Starbucks, Anthropology, all of these big guys are using that same look. I want to create something that's different. Now, being that it's juice, I don't want to, you know, create some crazy, you know, you know, something that never been recognized. But I wanted, I wanted to create a space that was inviting and warm that felt high end. So I collaborated with, uh, you know, a firm called Standard, who created James Purse, which is a, an LA uh, or a California clothing apparel company. And I think that they're, they're, it's, it's so California. You know, it's so important to me that. Um, that we, we always kind of kept California, that look and feel in our roots. But when you look at our store design, it's, it's matte white Heath tile and white oak, really kind of neutral uh, colors. And that was intentional so that when you walked in, again, that wall of juice really kind of popped and told our story. Yeah, it definitely stands out. And it just, you know, for somebody like me, who's completely ignorant to, you know, building, uh, you know, building a location up or designing anything, I mean, you know, what should I be searching for if I want to, uh, you know, figure out, you know, or find the best people around store design? What do you mean? Like, so, for example, you had your, you know, you got your guy, uh, you know, he's he seems like a celebrity in the space when it comes to designing stores or, you know, designing, uh, you know, just real estate locations in general. Yeah, I think you got to stay true to like what it is you're creating, like tell, you know, make sure that the look and feel is part of the story. You know, it's it's not two separate things. Everything is intertwined and everything plays a part of the big picture. So for us, you know, all of those little details make such a, you know, the weight, the, the, the you know, there's 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 a feel to when you walk in a place and sometimes you can't you can't pinpoint what the details are. But you, but the overall experience resonates. You know, our doors. I mean, I don't know when you go to a store, they're they're all glass and white oak doors that like they're heavy. I mean, when you push it, you feel it. It feels like you're entering a more you know high end or luxury aspirational place than a typical you know uh, beverage or, or quick serve. Huh. Okay. Okay. Now. 
jumping back to user acquisition or customer acquisition, I should say a, a little bit, you know, what's working for you guys today? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of it's obviously word of mouth. That's kind of how I heard of it. But what else are you guys doing um, to acquire customers? You know, I think I think we're constantly having fun and trying new things. Uh, I, I the, the way I run this company is I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I think you learn from it and it helps you kind of, you know, fix it and pivot and kind of learn and, and, and improve. So for customer acquisition, I mean, for us, it's all about having conversations. What I love about our stores is we're not a CPG brand. I'm not on grocery. Like I actually have the ability to interact and talk directly to the customers. Um, for me personally, the best way to acquire customers is trial. You know, I know if I can get someone to try a juice, chances are they're probably going to come back. Uh, so we're constantly working and getting product out to people who haven't experienced or haven't yet tried it. Whether and and really engaging the community. You know, we I personally believe that every store we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the community in which it's a part of. Got it. Okay. So you have it sounds like chalkboard helps engage the community. Um, how else do you guys engage? Uh, tons of stuff. So every time we open a store, we do a huge opening event. We give out juice. We we partner with you know uh, all like-minded businesses, whether it's a Lululemon or a SoulCycle or a Sephora or a Sweetgreens. You know, we kind of all work together, um, and we really kind of we work with the schools. We kind of just get the word out as best we can. Uh, there's nothing that we we don't try. Social media is a big part of it. We love to kind of make noise and you know, uh, however, how whatever by using whatever platforms are available. You know. Foursquare, Instagram, Facebook, I mean, all of these play a part of, of acquiring customers because ultimately it's just about talking, making noise, informing people, being a part of this conversation. And that's what we find excites people. Uh, I was meeting with our marketing uh, earlier and, I, you know, we were going over some of the stats and to date, just this year, we have over 1.4 billion media impressions in, wow. 100, in 170 countries. And that's been on less than $20,000 spend. So all of them, I and if you think about it, it's, it's all of these pieces combined. It's the partnering with, with these like-minded businesses. It's, you know, using bloggers, using social media, using these platforms, throwing events, throwing, you know, all of that really kind of resonates uh, with the masses and has allowed us to kind of, you know, just really kind of build buzz. That's incredible. $20,000. Okay, $20,000. Let me get this straight again. On what was it? 1.3 billion impressions? 1.3 billion media impressions, 170 countries. Okay. Less than 20K. Do you have like a breakdown of like where those impressions came from? or? <laughs> Uh, all over. I mean, I could you probably get that. I don't have that in front of me. <laughs> okay, no worries. Well, you know what you what you do need to tell me, and uh, I'm going to follow. <laughs> I'm going to follow everything about Press Juice right now. Let me know when you have another opening, so I can come get free juice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing the business. It sounds like the be- sounds like the beginning was really scrappy, but are there any specific stories you can share? Honestly, there's like five thousand. Um, you know, one that pops out is I think we were about six months old and, you know, I mentioned we were in that shared cupcake factory uh, and we got shut down by the health department uh, because, you know, we found out after the fact that you can't have two separate businesses uh, operating in one location. Wow. 
So we got shut down and it was this whole debacle. We brought on, you know, a whole legal team and, you know, it was, it was pretty scary. And, and what people were telling us is to be a six month old company and to be shut down publicly by the health department, the recovery of that's going to be near impossible. I mean, we were having lawyers telling us that we should pretty much close doors. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was challenging <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I said, you know, we're not going to put all this work and heart that, you know, all this heart and soul that we put into this, we're not going to walk away from it. So we worked with the health department. We got our store opened, I think about almost two and a half, three weeks it took. Uh, and the day we opened, we had the strongest day of sales uh, since the inception. And it just kind of, you know, it was eye opening that like, you know, people really, they really loved the product. They really loved being a part of this story. Um, and people were really loyal from early on. And I always think back, you know, throughout various obstacles that I've had along the way, that there's always options, you know, there's always ways to get through it. Uh, things happen. I mean, businesses, to me, this company, is, it's a living thing. And you've got to kind of, you can't really plan for disaster. I mean, things come up all the time. It's just really, what are our options and how do we move through it? Okay. How did you manage to, to sidestep that whole ordeal? What do you mean? How did we... So how did you get around that? I mean, you know, the people are telling you, lawyers are telling you, hey, just throw in the towel, it's time to give up. But in, in two weeks time, you know, you're able to get out of that, that whole scenario. You know, look, it's, it's just been committed to it. I mean, I think that, you know, failure wasn't an option. I mean, this was bigger than me at this point. This was bigger than my partners and our handful of employees. I mean, the response that we were making in our customers' lives, even in only after six months, I mean, it was really resonating. People, we were seeing such an effect that we couldn't let, we couldn't abandon that. And I think we said, you know, we will do whatever it takes. I mean, we'd never from the beginning, we never cut corners. I mean, it was an honest mistake and it was about, okay, so how do we kind of work with you guys? And, and look, we, we, we worked with them to carve out space, to permit it separately, to, which allowed us to then build out our own space. Uh, um, you know, so it was kind of like, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but staying calm and just, you know, knowing <laughs> that we were going to get through it at the end. Right. And it, it sounds like that whole ordeal built in that scarcity with your product where it's just like, you know, people are just like, wow, I can't wait till they're, they're open again. And then that's why you got your strongest sales, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I look at, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run out of a, a single flavor one day and it's like panic, you know, and I'm like, guys, it's just a greens juice. Like we'll have it again at 7am tomorrow. But, you know, people, they really, people want what they want when they want it. Right. Okay. So let's switch gears again. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? Uh, Juice. Yep. So Juice is something that we are, we're so proud of. Uh, you know, for us, it's all about, look, we, we really believe in what we do. And we want people all over to be able to incorporate products like this. Uh, we think that's one of the biggest issues with our country right now is that just people don't have access to products. Uh, there aren't press juiceries everywhere. So a lot of what we wanted to do with, with Juice, our book, was to give people the tools to kind of do it on their own, to make it, you know, in their own home, at farmer's markets, whatever it is. I mean, this is a product that everyone can access if they want it. So if I buy this book, will I be able to make juices that take, taste exactly the same as yours? We have almost every single recipe of our juices in that book, yes. Okay, got it. Now, just at a high level, you know, what, what were the overall, you know, 
what were the overall challenges with you know doing this book while running uh, you know press juicery? Well, the beauty of it is I have partners, so we can kind of delegate different things, and we can each take it on. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all. I mean, a book is the idea of it is like a fantasy. Of course, we we had you know fantasized of having a book since we started the company, but once it came to fruition, we realized. This isn't just, you know, a couple of, of weeks. This is months and months of, you know, creating recipes, trial and error, working with book publishers and photographers. I mean, it's such a big undertaking and an expense. I mean, we had no idea what we were getting into. Uh, but, the, but the finished product made all of that hard work so worth it. Got it. You know, when you when you think about putting a book together, at least from uh, from my naivete, you know, you, you don't think it costs that much money. So, uh, you know, can you give us any ballpark figure on, you know, how much it ended up costing you? Uh, I don't know numbers offhand, but it's pricey. I mean, I'd, I'd say, you know, a minimum of $60,000. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, I would have thought five or 10K would do it, but apparently not. Yeah, um, no, it's pretty pricey. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, um, I kind of say do exactly what you're doing. You know, I'm a big believer that everything happens the way it's meant to. I think uh, sometimes when we, you know, when you kind of bring your past into your present, you write your future. And I think it's important that you, you know, you just be present. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes at 25, uh, and I don't regret any of them, you know. Uh, everything I've done has kind of led me and taken me to where I am today. So I don't think that there's any right or wrong. You know, I think at 25, a lot of young adults don't really know professionally what it is they want to do forever. And that's fine. You know, my advice is you don't need to know this minute. Just do things that make you happy. And you'll discover in that process what you're meant to be doing. I love it. So just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, how do you structure your day? Uh, I, I wake up very, very early. So I, uh, I've always been a morning person, but starting this, 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 uh, baby, my company has really made me wake up early. Uh, so I'm up between five and five thirty, uh, almost seven days a week. And I do the bulk of my productivity is those early hours. Mm, okay. So is it, would you say that's like a, like five to 9am? Well, I'll, you know, I'll wake up early. I spend some time with my dog. You know, we live in Venice, so we'll kind of hit the beach. Uh, dogs aren't allowed on the beach, so we try to sneak it in early. Um, and then what we do is, you know, I try to work out or do something active early on because I know if I don't get it done early, True. chances are I probably won't do it later. Uh, and then, you know, I, I uh, try to eat something clean and, and, and head to work. Uh, I find that, you know, those hours from 8 to to 12 one is really when i'm just like cranking stuff out got it okay and what is the what does the afternoon look like typically um afternoons kind of change uh i float around i visit stores uh i try to do office as much as i can early and then in the afternoons it's it's more about you know off-site meetings looking scouting new locations uh meeting in, in my existing shops uh lately i've been traveling a lot we're expanding uh pretty aggressively outside of California. So I feel like I've been living out of a suitcase lately. It's all, uh, it's all been fun. It's okay. You, you got the juice to keep yourself healthy. So it's all good. Sure, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you said it, it's important to talk to customers at the same time. You know, you talked about, uh, it, it seems like the, 
you know, you doing the office in the in the morning is good, but then you, you also do a lot of in-person too. So can you talk about what you, it seems like you're alluding to there's more importance in the in-person meetings and just like having conversations with people than, you know, typical people would, would think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get, I'm a people person. I love all people. I love learning about people. I love stories. I love learning about people's experience, whether it's every day or in business or, you know, that's kind of like, I love comparing notes, what I've gone through, what others have gone through. I love, you know, making decisions for press, not based on what we sitting in an office decide, but what do our customers really want? How do we incorporate that voice into our decision making? So, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I mean, we were so fortunate to have these retail stores which force interaction you know shame on us if we don't take advantage of it huh okay smart smart i think everybody uh, not just in the tech world everybody can take note of that because we're so sucked into our mobile phones or laptops nowadays um okay now final question what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone uh um business book or could be any any could be fiction you know, I read, uh, when I was at NYU, I had an art teacher uh, rec- tell me to read The Art Spirit by Robert Henry. And it's uh, an artist who, when he passed, all of his students compiled his notes uh, on various artworks and made a book out of it. So it's, uh, it's one of those books you can kind of flip to any page. Um, but it's been, it was really inspiring to me uh, when I read it. And it's, uh, it's a book that I kind of find myself going back to periodically. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's something we'll we'll drop into the show notes. Um so Hayden, what's the best way for people to find you online? Uh pressjuicery.com. Got it. And make sure make sure I mean I'm I'm staring at their Instagram right now. Uh Press Juicery Instagram as well. Um 135k followers that has to stand for something. So um everyone, this is Hayden. Hayden, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.